0: Good morning. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Happy Epiphany Sunday. Um, If that means nothing to you, hang tight. We're going to talk more about that in a bit, but we are so glad you are here. I know we have a lot of visitors joining us this morning, lots of family in from out of town. So, welcome. We are so glad you all are here. We're going to be starting off our service this morning with a special um, that has been prepared with our choir from Miss Sandy by Miss Sandy. And so, we are excited for that, but I want to give you a few instructions um, because there's an opportunity for you to participate in the special this morning. Um, As I mentioned, today is Epiphany Sunday. Uh, Epiphany Sunday is a day when we celebrate the king's arrival to the Christ child, and we celebrate the light of the bright star which led the kings to the light of the world. This morning, our choirs are going to be singing a medley about light. Uh, We would like you to participate in two ways. At this time, we would like you to get your phone flashlights ready to shine. If you're familiar with your phone enough to know that you have a flashlight, <laughs> get ready to turn it on. Don't turn it on just yet, but get ready for it, okay? Our kids' City Choir, they're going to be standing up here, and they're going to begin with three verses of this little light of mine. Then our adult choir will sing two verses of an old hymn, which you may be familiar with. If you are, or even if you're not, you are invited to sing along with us with that hymn. The words will be on the screen. And lastly, we are going to all sing the last three verses of This Little Light of Mine together. And during this time, we would like you to get your flashlights out so you can follow along with the kids and how they are shining their lights. And you can participate in shining your light. Um, all of this is going to be prompted on the screen, but really the idea here is to make this a communal experience, uh, a participatory experience for you all. So we hope you will join us today as we celebrate the light. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. in there. Okay. Um, as we give the choir or the band a moment to uh, come back up, I just want to invite you all to join me in a word of prayer this morning as we enter into a time of praise and worship in song. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this reminder, this beautiful, tangible reminder this morning that you are the light and that we are to be Bearers of that light in this world. God, I just pray this morning as we come together as a faith community, as we enter into this this time and this space together, God, I pray that somehow in a unique and beautiful way that we would see your light. God, I just pray that we would experience your light in a new and powerful way this morning. God, no matter where each of us might be coming from, whether it's been a a wonderful start to the new year or a troubling one, God, I just pray that your light would find its way into our hearts and into our souls this morning. God, we love you, and we offer our praise, our worship, and adoration before you this morning. Be with us, Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Why don't you stand and join us?
2: Take
0: Is a very special service this morning um, and we are going to prepare now for a very special moment um, a lot of our visitors are here today because yesterday or earlier this week um, a sweet little girl in our congregation turned one little miss Mally and it's so it worked out so well that her whole extended family was here um, that we would do her dedication today and so at this time I'm going to invite all family members of Miss Mali to come up here. We'll have mom and dad, Parker and Emily, you guys stand right here in the center. And we'll just have family file in on either side. Family, fur babies, everybody. And scooch in real close when you guys get up there like you love each other. All right, I'm going to come over here. You are just fine. Well, friends, today we are dedicating this special, beautiful... I mean, have you ever seen such a more beautiful... I know we are friends, Mally and I. We are friends. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We are here this morning celebrating the dedication of this child. And the dedication of a child is always a sacred occasion for the church. In this ritual, we express the covenantal reality that a child is a gift from God. She's going to help me out this morning, and I love every second of it. That a child is a gift of God, and we anticipate the provenient grace of God in the life of the child, in this case, sweet little Mallie. It's in this time that we recall Jesus' words from Matthew chapter 19, when Jesus says, or when it says, "Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place His hands on them and pray for them." The disciples rebuked them, but Jesus said, "Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those such as these." When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Parker and Emily, the presentation of your child for dedication is much more than a formality or a ritual for you. This is the culmination of years of prayer and anticipation. Your daughter is an acknowledged gift of God to you, and I know you take that gift so seriously. You have desired that today would be an opportunity for you to publicly affirm your gratitude to God for entrusting Mally into your care. In presenting Mally for dedication, you have expressed your desire that she would be nurtured in the faith, that she would be taught to be responsive to the grace of God, and that she would come to have a dynamic and personal relationship with Jesus and that her life would be lived in service to Christ. In order that this outcome may be possible, it will be your duty as parents to carefully direct her mind to the scriptures in discipleship to mold her life by example, an admonition to teach her to value the disciplines of holy living, of godly attitudes, and wholesome relationships. You should teach her also to delight in the love and the tenderness of God. She will need to be nurtured toward a level of trust and confidence that will come only as you demonstrate these characteristics yourselves. It's appropriate this morning that we recall the words of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. She said, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. Parker and Emily, will you seek God's grace and direction as you lovingly guide sweet Mally, discipling her and teaching her to follow Jesus living this holy example yourselves. If so, say we will. To family that's here today and those of you who may be watching online, you have heard the testimony and commitment of Parker and Emily. I now ask each of you to affirm your prayerful support for them and for sweet Mally. Will each of you seek to support and encourage Parker and Emily in their duties and responsibilities and will you each nurture Mally by godly example and prayer, if so say we will. we will. And now I turn to you, the congregation. Will you all commit yourselves as the body of Christ to support and encourage these parents as they endeavor to fulfill their responsibilities to this child? And will you assist them by nurturing her growth to spiritual maturity? Will you covenant to pray for them and to so live before them and with them that the grace of God will enfold them through you and that the power of the Holy Spirit will enable Parker and Emily to fulfill their duties as parents to their daughter, Mally. If so, say, we will. All right, I'm going to see if I can hold Miss Mally for a second. (sighs) She's been dying for it. Who are we kidding? She loves her. Pastor Nicole. Mally, I want you to know this morning that you are a gift from God to your parents. You are. And so Mally, we dedicate you in the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are loved, sweet girl. You are loved. I'm going to hand her back to you guys. And would you all join me as we say this closing prayer this morning? Our loving Heavenly Father, This sacred moment is filled with the glory of your presence. We lift our voices in praise for your gracious gift of Mally to Parker and Emily and their families, and we humbly pray that you will take this child into your loving care. I pray for your wisdom, your protection, your guidance, and your delight in this child. Lord, be with Parker and Emily. May they be wholly committed to knowing and doing your will in their lives, so that this child of theirs will always have a godly example to follow. May their home be open to the needy of the world, so that Mally may learn the joy of serving others. And may their hearts be tender to the lost of the world, so that she may know the joy of leading others to know you. We pray this in confidence, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. (laughs) You all may be seated. What a beautiful celebration. She was, she just really felt called to participate in that, and I just love that. The participation is the theme today as you all participated this morning in our special. Thank you for participating. Thank you for joining us in that. Again, Sandy, thank you for all of your hard work and putting that beautiful piece together. Kevin, I echo your thank yous to Kevin and to Jim and to the sound guys back there. Thank you all so much. We couldn't have done it without you. Uh, Thank you, Ashley, for leading us this morning in worship. We appreciate you. Thank you, Denise, for leading us last week. We appreciate you girls so much. You ladies, thank you for stepping in while Nikki is enjoying some time away. Uh, Pray for Nikki. Pretty much she and Gabe, her entire time away has been spent dealing with COVID. Uh, They've been quarantining at family's house. Um, So it's, and I'm going to just ask you to specifically pray because part of the reason that they went to Texas was to visit family, but it also worked to go to her um, grandfather's memorial service. And if she's not better or testing negative over the next few days, she's probably not going to be able to go. And so would you join me in specifically praying for Gabe and for Nikki that they can get well so that they can go uh, be with their family the rest of this time and and go to that memorial for her grandfather? So let's just agree to be praying for them um, so that that can work out well. Um, I'm going to lead us in a prayer in just a moment before we begin the sermon this morning um also i'm going to jim i'm going to throw a curveball at you if we can turn on this blue microphone we're going to have someone share a testimony after the prayer okay all right would you guys join me in prayer this morning god we just thank you for the ways that we have already seen your grace at work in this place god i just thank you that this is such a beautiful sunday god with with the special that was just so um, remarkable to see all of the lights shining as a reminder that this is what we are to do in the dark world around us. God, I just pray that that would be an image that we can hold on to so that we can remember that when we leave this place, we are to shine brightly for you. God, I just thank you for your grace that is seen in the, lives, in the life of a baby, in the life of a, of a sweet, perfect little baby. And God, I just pray again that you would be with the Meads family and that they would enjoy their special time together. God, I just pray that you would be with those who aren't able to be here with us today, those who are dealing with sickness and other things. God, would you just draw near to them? We always ask, God, that even for those who are not able to be here with us in person, God, would you just draw near and make yourself known to them and help them to feel your presence in their midst. God, this morning we pray for Gabe and for Nikki. God, we just pray that you would anoint them, touch their bodies, God. We pray for healing and for restoration, Uh, We pray that they would just be able to end the rest of this time away with their families, God, as they planned. God, would you just encourage them this morning? I know that's so frustrating and discouraging to go all that way and for that time to be interrupted by sickness. God, would you just be with them? God, would you help them to know that you are with them? God, as we open up your word... I pray that you would anoint this word. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive this word from you today. God, I pray that this word would set the trajectory for this new year. God, I pray that as we engage with your word and as we respond, God, may we respond with a resounding yes, that we will follow you that we will fix our eyes on you, that we will receive the light that you came to give and that we will go out into the world bearing that light. Lord, would you help that to be so? Would you help that to be true for us today? It's only through your power and through your help. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: good morning I actually am gonna sit down my uh my blood pressure is acting up and uh the meds are not working and um I'm kind of trying to figure all that out right now so I'm a little wobbly um this little light of mine 23 years has shined in this church I think um I've impacted many of you in in many different ways um I love every single one of you. That's why I'm here. This little light of mine, 26 years ago today, was balancing between life and death. I was in Barnes Jewish Hospital. I was on magnesium sulfate. I liken it to being um, spaghetti and jello held together by rubber bands. We were trying to stop me from delivering my 32-week-old son. He had received steroids, so his lungs were going to be okay. And tomorrow, he will be 26 in heaven. And... He's the reason I am who I am. I promised him a whole lot of things. When you realize that you've almost left this earth and that you come back and you're stronger and you're loved, God is good all the time. So I think I'm going to fast forward seven weeks the doctors say you have to turn off life support because his little heart and lungs are not compatible with life they had done surgery there's no blood flow to his lower lobe the other lungs are collapsed because of the fluids they give a child hang on the story's going to get better he coded modern medicine allowed me to deliver a child, and I heard him squeak, and they took him off to Children's Hospital. And I stayed at Jewish for a day and a half until I could get to him. It's hard. Um, The blood pressure causes a little confusion, so sorry. So we're having to make the decision to turn off life support. And those of you who know my husband know that he um, is a very intelligent man who was reading the records every day. He knew what was coming down the line. Me, I was taking care of my little boy. We were listening to church songs, children's church song in his crib every day of his seven weeks. I held him. I loved him. I cared for him. I gave him every bit. But when he coded, I got from Scott Air Force Base to so, <laughs> I got to the hospital from Scott Air Force Base in about 20 minutes. My father-in-law's van had this little siren in it. It just went woo Yeah, I turned it on three times. I got people out of my way. Um, I promised him when he coded that it was time to stop medical intervention. When they told me, I went downstairs to, there's a little corner, I don't think it's even there anymore. Um, But I went down to this corner and it was snowing like it kinda is today and it was gray, it was icky. Actually, it was worse. And I started cussing at God. Why me, why my baby? I didn't have a lot of choice words for God at that point. I'd been out of the church for 10 years but I was still a great woman of faith. Why wasn't I getting a miracle? I had people pray over my baby. Why am I not getting a miracle? Sometimes the journey is the miracle. I began to cry, and I began to sing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine first time I've sang up here alone um I think I sang every little bible song that I knew and then I started talking to God and I said if this is what's supposed to happen there's three things I need you to do yep I told God what he had to do I said okay God the first thing you have to do is get my family here because my family's in Ohio. They've never met this baby. 30 days ago, we lost a baby to SIDS. Seriously, my family lost a baby to SIDS. My cousin Connor was a year old. Um, I said, the second thing I need is for this little baby to go on a ray of sunshine because, well, quite frankly, we've been in here since January Um, the date is now March 3rd, 2nd, sorry, March 2nd. And can you let him go on a ray of sunshine? And the third thing I asked for, and I demanded it, and I got this one. I got it like shazam. God, can you give me a peace beyond all understanding because right now I don't understand and I was filled with peace beyond all understanding I don't know why my heart is not hurting right now because it's a peace beyond all understanding from the moment I walked up here to share this story with you um I walked in that hospital, and they thought my husband had twisted my arm. I said, I don't know where he is, but we're turning off life support in a week. My family was all able to come, and I held my baby as he left this earth. And wouldn't you know it, his stairway to heaven was a gray day with sunlight coming in my room. Amen? (laughs) There was sunlight coming in that room. And he was morphined up like no tomorrow. And we had spent time alone in an isolate. And with all of his little birth defects that he had, because there were many, as he left this earth in about two minutes, he opened his eyes and he looked at me And he kind of said, bye, Mom, it's okay, I got you, and I'm going to watch out for you. So guess who's had a guardian angel for like 25 years? He found Josh in the creek over by my neighborhood. Mom, my angel got me out of the creek. (sighs) He sent me to the neighbor's house. I live at 337. He was at 107. He followed his dog up the creek. He was all about four three and a half, four. I'd called the cops. They had called the cops. I got there, and my son's soaking wet, and I strip him out of his clothes. I said, what'd you do? I followed the dog to get him down out of the creek. And he took him to this Walmart greeter of ours. He was older than anything. And he said, I fought in the Battle of the Bulge. Did you see this Bible? This Bible has a bullet hole in it. God saved me for your son because he knew that we loved children. My kids have had a guardian angel their whole life. But I also promised him before I let him go that I would make a difference for somebody. You guys are my somebodies. I always wanted to be a missionary. When I was 18, I asked God, can I be a missionary? My mission field is at Madison Senior High School. And I told my kids, you are my somebodies. I'm supposed to go to school tomorrow with cupcakes because we're going to light a candle and celebrate his birthday because... My son watches over me. God watches over me too. I know. But my students know that because of me they get watched over also. I'm in a school with a lot of Christians and I pray those hallways quite frequently. I have anointed doors with oil. I have prayed with my principal and he has prayed with me. I've had students say, would you pray with me Miss Parker? And I am able to pray with them. I can't say that about every school. My mission field is through children. Kids are kind of safe. grown-ups are kind of scary. Um, I don't always do it right. But It changed my life. I'm not quite sure how to end this story because tomorrow I will light a candle for his birthday and I guess I'll just ask you to remember that even when you're between life and death you can celebrate something. And when March 3rd rolls around I get a little kind of funky and I kind of forget because I don't really want to remember the day that he left this world. But I have been blessed beyond measure and I just wanted you to know that when I heard that song this morning and I don't know if I said this at the beginning I almost didn't come to church this morning and when they sang that song I just started to shake and to cry and I was reminded of that wall and what I asked God and how it was given but it was given even before that when I was in high school and I said, God, can I travel? Can I be a missionary? Can I go to a Christian college? Okay, McKendree is a lightly Christian college, but they used to train Jesuit priests, okay. God is good from the time I was 18 to the time I was 27. I raised my brothers and sisters. I've I've lived a life of loving you guys. And this is why I tick.
0: Thank you, Teresa, for, for Lorena. Sorry, I do that all the time. All the time. <laughs> uh, thank you, Lorena, for sharing what that song means to you. And even on this day, the the timing of that song being sung. Um, Thank you for sharing about God's faithfulness in your life, because I know that God used that testimony to bless somebody here today, and so we give all the glory to God. Amen? Amen. Um, During the Christmas season, we talked about, or I tried to acknowledge at times, that the Christmas season, the holiday season, is difficult for a lot of people. Uh, Though though many of us come in with joy and and celebration, there are a lot of people who struggle through the holidays, who find it depressing. Uh, And I would say that today, as we are on the other side of Christmas and celebrating the new year, I would say that we should probably acknowledge that this time of year is difficult for people it may be different kinds of people, maybe different from those who struggle with the holidays, but being on the other side of Christmas can be difficult for many people as well. There are those who, who love the hustling and the bustling and then everybody leaves and it gets quiet and some find that difficult and challenging. There are some that are getting back in their normal routine, and that can be difficult. Family's gone. You were spending extra time with loved ones, and now suddenly they're not around, and and it gets quiet again, and, and you struggle with that. Some do. There are some who are facing the pressure of a new year, which everyone tells us that we should have all these goals, all these resolutions. I don't have any. My only goal that I came up with this year was to title my sermons because I don't typically do that. That was all I could come up with is just title your sermons to make it easier for people. (laughs) And so that was my only goal. There's this pressure to, to feel like you have to come up with all these amazing goals and resolutions. And so that leaves you feeling maybe less than. You feel less ambitious than everyone else because you can't name something. Or It brings up reminders of previous goals and resolutions that have kind of been pushed to the wayside, forgotten about, abandoned. There are some for whom this time is challenging and difficult and overwhelming because you're still still coming to grips with all of the holiday spending. And some years we we do better than others, but, but sometimes it's at this point that you start to realize, like, oh, I tried not to overdo it, but I did, and now here I am feeling overwhelmed, right? It's this time of year where all the presents are unwrapped. The trees are are being put back in their boxes, similar to what we'll be doing today. The garland gets packed away and put back into the attic and you're left feeling just a little bit, maybe sad. This time can be a difficult time for many. It's easy to believe that along with the tree and the garland is packed away joy and hope. There are those who welcome the new year with great hope and anticipation. I can't wait to see what this year holds. And then there are those who approach the new year with anxiety and trepidation because for some, the new year means what's going to happen, what, what's going to go wrong. The unknown is overwhelming for a lot of people. It was this this time last year, January 1 of 2022, and we found out about a tragic loss in Bo's family. It was just devastating and tragic and sudden. January 1, right? And, and and I think about Lorena's story, and New Year brought trouble and heartache. For some, that is a reality. I know I sound like a real downer this morning. Bear with me. <laughs> it's going to get better But I just wanted to acknowledge that this time of year can be difficult. The other side of Christmas is is quiet, and for some it's lonely. And yet, I want to remind you that there is beauty to be found on the other side of Christmas. On the day of Epiphany, we celebrate the beauty and the joy that is yet to be discovered. The beauty and the joy that is still very much in our midst. You've heard us talk a lot about Epiphany already. Today is what we call Epiphany Sunday. The day of Epiphany is officially celebrated on the 12th day of Christmas, so the 12th day after Christmas, which is January 6th, and so that was Friday. Friday was officially the day of Epiphany, and that's typically acknowledged on that following Sunday. And so that makes today Epiphany Sunday. And on this day, we celebrate the revelation of the Christ child. We celebrate that the light, the light that was shown at his birth that led all nations to come and discover him and to acknowledge him and to know him. The word epiphany comes from the Greek word epiphania, which means appearance or manifestation. Epiphany, friends, is the season of light. It's the season of light And that means for us that this is not the end of Christmas joy. I want you to hear that this morning, that that today we are not acknowledging the end of Christmas joy. Rather, it's a beautiful beginning that beckons and invites, and if we allow it, it captivates us as we celebrate this new season. In a few moments, we're going to read a text from Isaiah chapter 60. Uh, There is a lot of background and context to consider as we uh, read from the book of Isaiah, and I don't have anywhere near the time to share with you what what properly should be shared before just jumping into Isaiah chapter 60, but I'm going to do my best to, to kind of briefly catch you up before we jump into that text. Isaiah is kind of broken up into a few different categories, but typically it's broken up, chapters 1 through 39 are, are one kind of section, one thing, and then 40 through 66 is something different. And so if you were to open up and just kind of glance through your Bible, beginning with Isaiah chapter 1 through 39, you would see a lot of talk about judgment, That there is a lot of talk about judgment, uh, God's judgment toward Jerusalem, towards the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel had, had continuously lived in rebellion. They were an idolatrous nation and they were guilty of many injustices. They were guilty of not being the city on the hill, if you will. They were guilty of not being a set-apart holy people that they were called to be. And Isaiah writes about this judgment, and it's dark, and it's... it's Uh, it's a little depressing and it's overwhelming, right? But Isaiah, interestingly, he's writing about this judgment and yet it all sounds strangely hopeful. Like he sprinkles in hope in these first 39 chapters that even though it's going to get really, really bad, he is already looking ahead to the new thing that God is gonna do on the other side of this exile, That one day, Isaiah paints this picture, one day Jerusalem is going to be a place where all nations can experience justice and peace. And the people of God are going to shine brightly the way they were always intended. In these chapters, we read about Isaiah's vision and commission. These chapters also proclaim judgment for the surrounding nations, the nations that were surrounding Israel See, Israel, one of their faults is that they looked too much like their neighbors, right? They were supposed to live set apart. They were supposed to live differently, as I said moments ago. But but the problem is they looked exactly like their neighbors. When the world saw Israel, they saw the rest of the world. They didn't see a shining, beautiful, radiant people of God. And then ultimately, in these chapters, we read about the fall of Jerusalem, And then you flip over to chapter 40, and so 40 through 66 are are mostly chapters of hope and promise, which is much needed when you make it through chapters 1 through 39. Isaiah talks mostly about hope and promise in the midst of such incredible pain and loss. These chapters are reminders of God's faithfulness. They are reminders that it's God who has always been faithful, even though his people have not. These chapters are reminders that God is faithful, even in the midst of of seasons of wilderness, even in the midst of exile, which Jerusalem found themselves in, right? God was faithful in the midst of such darkness. But as we typically do, The Israelites certainly questioned God's faithfulness in the midst of exile, right? They are an exiled people. They are carried off into a foreign land. They don't know the culture that's surrounding them. They don't even know what's truth, what's right anymore. They are lost. They don't know who they are. They have no identity, and they feel completely abandoned by God. And I think we can, even though it's different situations for sure, I think we can somewhat identify with the Israelites in terms of what it feels like when we are in the midst of wilderness, when we're in the midst of exile, and when we're in the midst of darkness. We get angry, right? Thank you, Lorena, for your transparency, because we all get angry. We all get angry, and we all likely at some point for sure get angry with God. We wonder, God, where are you, and what are you doing? Have you just completely removed your hand, removed yourself from us altogether? And we might begin to to start believing lies and doubts about God. Isaiah paints this too, you know, I said 40 through 66 are chapters of hope and promise, but, but right, from, right out of the gate, chapter 40, verse 27, God is addressing Israel's complaint that he has abandoned them, right? That he has been hidden or absent, that he, is, that he has removed himself from them. Maybe you know what it's like to feel this way. I would say with confidence that we can all, whether it's now or at another point in our lives, we can attest to experiencing dark seasons in life, seasons that just make us question what's right, what's up, what's down, and where is God? And I would say that we don't even always need personal chaos to feel this. Right? What I mean by that is sometimes, even if we aren't feeling that personally in our own lives, this chaos, this darkness, this exile, this wilderness, if we don't feel it in our own lives, chances are we look at the world around us and we feel it by, by doing just that. Right? We look at the world and we watch the chaos unfold, whether we're watching the news and we're, we're seeing images of, of Ukrainians hiding in bunkers with their children, while their children sing songs and play with their toys, right? And we just wonder, how can this be, <laughs> right? There are times when when we watch the news and we're reading the names of, of 19 students and two teachers who tragically lost their lives last summer and we just, I, I don't know if you can, I'm sure you can relate. I just sat on my couch and, and I wept and I just thought, God, where are you, This is too much. Like we have reached the point where this is too much. Where are you? What are you doing? What is happening? Some simply fear. It's not so simple, but some just fear that the world is is changing so quickly. And this world that you once knew, that you once saw yourself managing is now just unrecognizable. And that's scary. See, for the Israelites, certainly their darkness did not look exactly like ours, but they experienced significant darkness nonetheless. Many Israelites, as they were in exile, they, they looked at this foreign culture in which they now lived, and they were looking around at their children, and, and they were wondering, what's the future going to be like for our children? Have you ever wondered that? What's the future going to be like for our children, for our grandchildren, or even if you don't have children, you fear for those who are growing up in a world that just seems so unrecognizable. The Israelites understand what that's like. I appreciate how Dr. Scott Daniels, he, he describes this fear specifically. He says that the Israelites, they strongly feared and felt that their glory days were over. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe a lot of us feel that way about the church. The glory days are over. They're long gone. RIP glory days. Their children were being lost to the surrounding culture and they feared for their children. Perhaps most devastating of all, he says, all of God's activity seemed to have disappeared forever. And the Israelites truly feared and believed that God was gone. And yet it's in the midst of this kind of darkness that Isaiah speaks of light, of hope, of radiance, of glory, of brightness, of dawn, and of joy. I know you thought we probably forgot to read our passage, but we haven't. Because it's at this point where we get to Isaiah chapter 60 and we read the words of hope in verses 1 through 6. If you can stand with me really quickly while we read this. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and you will be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the, on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah And all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Friends, it's on the other side of exile that Isaiah gives these words, this word of God. Are you thankful? Thanks be to God, we say. You may be seated. It's at this point in Isaiah chapter 60. Indeed, if you're reading through the book of Isaiah in order, you've just nearly lost all hope at this point, right? Jerusalem, as I have already kind of unpacked all that for you, but I just want to reiterate that at this point, they feel that God is gone, that their situation is hopeless. And surely, because all of this was, let's just call it what it is, punishment and judgment, right? This, this exile was forming and shaping Israel, Right? This was necessary so that Israel could, could come out on the other side and truly be who God has called her to be. And, and at this point, I would imagine that they're think, thinking, surely God is done with us, right? He is done with us. He has left. He has removed his hand. And It's at this point that Isaiah says so profoundly and so beautifully, God isn't finished yet, And he goes into great detail. And maybe some of that passage was confusing for you. Maybe there were some things there that didn't fully make sense as you just read it in this moment. But all of those details are very specific and intentional as they are reminders that God is not finished. God has not removed himself. God is going to continue shining his light not only in and through the nation of Israel but in and through the whole world so that all peoples can come to him. They will come to the light and they will find hope and faith and joy and love that can only be found in the light of God. It's at this point in some chapters in the second part of Isaiah, Isaiah talks about this new, mighty, remarkable thing that God is going to do. And I have to imagine it's confusing for his audience, for his readers, because he, he goes and just bear with me for a minute, he goes into some detail talking about how this is not all going to be accomplished through the nation, even though God has done remarkable things through the nation of Israel, Right? But but Isaiah is saying he's not just going to accomplish this through a nation, but through a person, a very specific person person and he goes on to describe this person you likely are figuring out that, that he's talking about Jesus he's prophesying about Jesus but he uses this ominous language saying that this this person is going is compared to a suffering servant and he's going to be despised and rejected and killed and oppressed and afflicted and he's going to be bearing the sins of many and you and you read and I would imagine that you wonder what good can come from this? What good can possibly come from this? But then it's now when Isaiah says that he'll be bearing salvation. He's gonna lay down his life, not just for you, Israel, but for the whole world, for both Jew and Gentile. And he's declaring the good news that's going to be found in the baby, in the Christ child. I read this passage and I just imagine Isaiah imagine Isaiah speaking to the people of God i just imagine him saying look up right their faces are downcast they have to be after going through such darkness and exile i imagine that Isaiah is lovingly talking to the to the to the nation of israel saying look up set your face toward the sun I know it looks like the whole world is wrapped in darkness. I know that it feels like all people are trapped in this darkness, but God's light is breaking in. It's a captivating, earth-shattering light, and all nations, all peoples will be drawn toward that light, and nothing will keep his light from shining. Friends, this is a message of hope for the nation of Israel, and it's a message of hope for us. Once we understand what this message meant for the nation of Israel, we can understand what it means for us. I like how one pastor, Juliana Closseson, she says, for the first readers who were struggling with rebuilding their lives after the wreckage of war, this text imagines a new dawn breaking a counter-world in which God, in the form of God's glory, once more appeared in their midst. And it serves as a source of salvation and blessing to come. She talks about the manifestation of God's glory and that the people will see this light and they will be radiant themselves. And they will be rejoicing after years of great sadness. No matter how dark, we are reminded no matter how dark, how desolate our personal and collective lives may become, once more, light is breaking into the dark and we are encouraged again to arise and shine. And it's possible. It's possible through God who is the light. Friends, you may be familiar with this darkness That we were talking about moments ago maybe you find yourself in the darkness in this moment in your life maybe you are coming out on the other side of of moments of of feeling like you were in the darkness we are reminded once again that the people have seen a great light the light has come the light is breaking in and god is not finished yet even if you're not feeling like you're in a moment or a season of darkness in your own life. Maybe you feel like, like you are in a good place. Can I use this moment, can I take this moment to remind you that I, I guarantee that someone you know is experiencing darkness at this moment? Someone you have rubbed shoulders with recently is experiencing darkness in this moment? And can I let you know that even though you find yourself in a good place, perhaps, you are called to go and be the light for those around you who are walking in darkness. And as we enter into this new year, I want to remind you, I feel like, there are, are, are many moments that I miss my pastoral urgency where I don't lean into that so often. But as I prepared for this message this week, I feel that this is a moment where I really need to just lean into that pastoral urgency and remind you, pastoral urgency, I just made that up. I don't really know what that is, but it's like this, this feeling that I have that I need to say this and it's important. That's what pastoral urgency is. I need us to know that as we enter into this new year, regardless of what last year looked like, regardless of of what has already happened this year, and I don't say that lightly, even if this year has already been terrible, friends, God is not finished yet. And I like to foolishly believe that he's just getting started, that his light is breaking in and through even us in this community. And I feel like we are, are, are being reminded today, we ought to be reminded today that as we approach this new year, we are to take up this call again to go and be people of light right where God has placed you. Right where God has put you, you are to be people of light. I just went way off track of where my notes were, so allow me to find my place. Friends, are we... Are we shining as God's radiant people? If we really believe that, like maybe we just need to take a moment and ask ourselves, do we really believe this? Every Christian should reconcile whether or not they actually believe this. When I say this, I'm pretending there's a Bible here, right? Do we actually believe that God is who he says he is? Do we actually believe that God entered into this messy world through the incarnation, through the person of Jesus Christ? Do we believe that Jesus lived a blameless, sinless life, that that he died, laid down his life so that we could find whole, abundant life and salvation in him? Do we believe that he was crucified, dead, and buried, and raised to life on the third day and now sits on the throne reigning If we actually believe that, then we ought to believe that God is not finished yet and that the light of God is still breaking in. And if we believe that, then we are to leave this place and go boldly out into our world and look at every single human being as if they were made in the image of God and as if they were worth dying for because they are. And you are to be and to share that light with them. That is what we are called to do. And if we aren't doing that, it's time to pack it up and go home. Because that's what we're called to do. I've totally gone off my notes. (laughs) I officially just preached another sermon that I wasn't planning to preach. We sang these words. No darkness have we who in Jesus abide. We walk in the light as we follow our guide. Friends, the world needs the light, and you are to be that radiant light, that radiant, beautiful light of Christ. Jesus has not given up on the church, and so I think we ought to not give up on the church we ought to fully open ourselves up to whatever it is that God wants to do in and through his church and friends we better be obedient I wanted to um, end the sermon today man I was so on the fence about this because as we were singing build my life I wanted that to be like our anthem for this new year right? Like as we were singing Build My Life, like I wanted to just kind of run up here in a moment and just say, this is what I want for us. This is my prayer for us. Do we actually believe this or do we actually want this? And, and so I, I kind of considered like ending with that same song again because I so badly want it to be what we will do when we leave this place. But then I also love the song that we're planning to sing, which is It Is Well. And I think that it's such a beautiful follow-up to Lorena's testimony. That the thing is, is that we are called to live into the light and the love of Christ, whether things are going perfectly well and everything's great and the sun is shining, but we're also called to live in the light and love of Christ, even when everything is completely falling apart. And it seems as if all hope is lost. And so I'm going to trust in the provenient grace of God. And we are going to invite the praise team to come back. And we are going to sing it as well. Only if you promise me that later on you'll go home and you'll replay Build My Life. And just make that your anthem song for this new year. Okay? Is that a deal? But I truly pray that as we sing these words. That, that whatever it looks like for you this morning. Whether it's at your seats with the people sitting next to you, or whether you feel prompted and led to step out and come and to pray at the altar, which again, this, we don't believe that these are magic altars. We don't believe that something magical happens the moment you touch these altars, but we do believe them to be symbols and reminders of, of stepping out and, and, and meeting God where he is and saying, Here I am, Lord. Whatever it looks like for you, my prayer for us and for the church, and I just can't even tell you how overwhelming it is for me. My prayer is that we would say a yes to God again. Yes, God, I will look for your light. No matter what you have to do to find that light, I will twist and bend and and go high or go low, wherever I have to do to find your light. Yes, God, I will look for for your light and trust in your promise. But I also want us to say yes. Yes, God, I will faithfully love and serve you regardless of what it looks like, whatever it may look like. I want us to say yes to God again that we will leave this place and that we will be looking for and expecting God to use us to love our neighbor and everyone that we come in contact with as we leave here. God, you've heard our cry. You've heard the cries of our heart. And as we sing these words and enter into a moment of response, may it be so. May it be with your church here on earth as it is in heaven, only through your power, and it's for your glory. Amen. Amen. All right. Feel free to stand if you're able. Okay.
2: Grand earth has quaked before, moved by the sound of His voice. that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken from my
0: goodness and your faithfulness that meets us here in this place in this moment and God we thank you that your goodness and your faithfulness will guide and lead us through this year whatever it may hold God wherever it is that you are guiding us and wherever it is that you might be taking us Lord God we believe in and we trust you and your goodness and your faithfulness We will look for the light. And with everything in us, we will faithfully go out into the world carrying your light and lighting up the darkness. God, we hold on to your truth that your word says that the gates of hell will not prevail. We declare that this morning. And God, we love you we thank you for your faithfulness once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll go ahead and remain standing as we are going to dismiss you here in just a moment after I share a few quick announcements. Um, We are going to be, I kind of alluded to that earlier, taking down uh, the Christmas decorations this morning after church. So uh, if you have a few moments, I understand many of you might have obligations, but if you do have a few moments and you are able to stick around and help us, uh, we would love all the help we can get. And last year we did it this way, and I think we were finished really quickly. It went really, really quickly. So if you are able to, that'll be just directly after service is over. Kathy's gonna kind of be help. Kathy and Karen both, I think, will help and just kind of let us know what goes where. We'll have boxes, and so if you're if you're confused about what goes where, but for now we'll just start disassembling and taking things down. Okay. Uh, just a reminder that there are baby bottles in the foyer. And that is for our yearly uh, support for Mosaic Pregnancy Center um, and their baby bottle campaign. And so if you have not yet picked up a bottle, grab one on your way out, and we'll collect coins and and cash in those until next month, and we'll let you know when those are due back. Uh, Just wanted to let you know of a few things that you can just jot down onto your calendar. Men's Breakfast is going to be Saturday, January 21st here at the church at 8 a.m., Lunch Bunch will be meeting on Wednesday, January 25th. That's at Chevy's, right? I always get that backwards, whatever it is. And then finally, uh, for those of you who didn't make yesterday's team day uh, that the district puts on um, in Decatur, then we will have another opportunity coming up at the end of the month, January 28th. That's going to be at Salem, uh, Salem Grace Church of the Nazarene, and we have links available for you to sign up for that if you're interested. All right, so let me share with you this benediction as you leave today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are deeply and profoundly loved. And at my prayer, my pastoral prayer for you is that you would soak up the light of God, the light of Christ this morning, and that you would go and bear that light, sharing it with everyone around you. Go in his strength, you are dismissed. Have a great day.